You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. Hello and welcome back to The Crossroad Podcast. This is episode two of season two. This episode is titled The Prevalence of Choices. So the season we're in the midst of is how to make a choice. And in our first episode, our aim was to show you how important choices are, how powerful they are, and how vital they are to the vibrancy of our lives. In the second episode, what we want to do is show you the prevalence of choices, just how abundant they are and how that can be a source of that overwhelms us, and it can also be a source of opportunity. And we want to also highlight what the prevalence of choices can lead to in terms of our reaction to uh, just a kaleidoscope of opportunities in front of us. So the first thing we're going to do is play a little bit of a game and show you just how many choices a person can face in the course of a day. And in order to do that, I am going to be this kind of cosmic narrator in the life of one Kylie Willis. Say hello, Kylie Willis. Hello. There she is. And uh, give Kylie an opportunity to make imaginary choices in a realistic sort of day. So we're going to start with, uh, Kylie, your alarm clock is going off at 8 o'clock a.m. You have to be at the office at 9 o'clock. Do you hit the snooze button or do you get up and start going? I get up. All right. So Kylie gets up and starts going. So she loses a little bit of sleep. That's a consequence of her choice. And so next, Kylie, where do you go? Do you go to brush your teeth or do you start getting dressed? I go make coffee. Oh, uh, (laughs) secret option C. I see. All right. So after you make your coffee, then do you do you go to brush your teeth or you get dressed? I go and brush my teeth. All right. So Kylie brushes her teeth. She makes her way into... The bedroom starts getting dressed for the day. Kylie, you put on your first outfit. You look in the mirror. Does that one look good or do you want to try something else? I want to try something else. Yeah, sounds about right. So Kylie takes off the first outfit, puts the second one on. Kylie, what about the second one? Does that look good? I like the pants, but I don't like the shirt. All right. So you uh, keep the pants on, take the shirt off. You hear your phone going off. Do you leave what you're doing to go try to check your message? No. All right. So you put the third top on now. What, what do you think about the third top? Are you going to keep it or are you going to keep going? I think I've maximized to my full potential for my outfit of the day. All right. So Kylie uh, has her outfit figured out. She goes and checks her phone. Kylie, your phone is a quasi-urgent message from one of the students at school. Uh, Do you respond to it or do you wait and put it off until a little bit later in the day? I respond. All right. So Kylie responds to the text message. Uh, You get no response from the student immediately. Do you call the student or do you... Uh, start to head towards the office. Ball's in their court. I head to the office. All right. So uh, you're walking down the street and there is somebody at the corner who's asking you for a dollar. Do you give that person a dollar or no? I do not. Do not give that person a dollar. All right. Keeps going. You get to the subway. Um, The light is not green, but there are no cars coming. Do you walk across or do you wait for the permission to go. We live in New York. I definitely cross the street. (laughs) All right. All right. So Kylie, we'll fast forward a little bit, gets into the office. Still haven't heard from that student. Do you call that student back or text him back or do you keep waiting? I keep waiting. All right. So then a coworker shows up and asks you if you want to go to lunch. You say, 
Yes or no, you've got a very busy uh, day of meetings. No, I don't. All right. Um, so you go to your first meeting of the day and uh, your supervisor asks the group to give feedback about a particular project and you have some very negative feedback directly relevant to uh, that supervisor. Do you say it out loud to the group or do you um, not say it out loud? This is a hard one. Um, I don't say it out loud to the group, but I do approach my supervisor later to talk about it. Right. Do you approach your supervisor immediately after the meeting or do you uh, go back to your office to look at your calendar and figure out when you can do it? Yeah, I check my schedule first, but I probably ask them if they have time during the day and then we probably would like collaborate on our schedules right then and there. Great. Okay. So sometime in between in your morning, in between the coffee and getting dressed and ignoring your students, uh, you <laughs> you made yourself a lunch, a very healthy lunch. It's a salad. Well, your second meeting goes long and you only have 20 minutes until your third meeting. So do you eat your salad as prepared or do you just grab some something fast and easy that may not be as healthy? I eat my salad. All right. Great. Uh, so you go into your third meeting and... I, I probably take my salad into my third yeah, meeting with me. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, so you go into your next meeting. It's with a, a student and they ask you for advice and you feel like you know exactly what they should do, but you don't want to give them too direct an answer. You want to help them figure it out. So do you ask a question or do you give them a uh, you know a subtle push in terms of a statement towards where you think they ought to head? I... Mm, that's hard. I feel like my initial reaction would be to just tell them what to do. But because I am trying so hard to get our students to make choices for themselves, I would probably slow my down myself down enough to ask them a question. Okay, great. So you find some time to meet with your supervisor. You're heading to your supervisor and that student who texted you in the morning uh, text you as you're walking through the hall to get to your supervisor's office. Do you stop to respond to the text or you go in and, and give your supervisor the feedback that you've been sitting on? Oh, um, that's a really hard one. I feel like I've scheduled this meeting, especially for this time. And so I put the student off. All right. So you come out of your meeting. Do you text the student back then or do you head into uh, the next thing that you have on your list? I text the student. All right. Great. So uh, the student responds to you as you're getting into your office. And for the first time in the day, you really sit down and check your email. And you got four emails that need responding to. Do you continue texting with a student or do you start tackling your inbox? I probably continue to text with the student to figure out what's going on since it seemed pretty urgent in the morning. Great. So as you're doing that, your mom gives you a call. You haven't talked to her in a couple of days. Do you answer? Do you call back? Do you text her? Do you move to your inbox? Do you keep going to student? What do you do? I ignore the call from my mom. <laughs> Sorry, Leslie, if you're listening to this. Um, okay. So you've had a long day. You've been dealing with all this stuff. You finally get to a couple of those emails. Um, knowing that your cubicle is windowless, do you decide mid-afternoon that you really need to sit down and hunker down and finish off those emails, or do you decide to take a walk out in the sun for a little bit? I finish the emails. Yeah. So you're running towards the end of your workday. There are several things that you 
wanted to get to that you haven't gotten done, do you call it a day or do you stay a little bit late at work to try to finish a few more? I stay late at work to try to finish. Okay. So your husband calls you and asks you where you are and what the plan is for dinner. Do you get upset and annoyed with him for not figuring it out on his own or do you um, engage in that conversation happily? I don't know if I engage in the conversation happily, um, but I don't feel like I get upset either because knowing my husband and knowing his inability to cook, um, I would probably suggest that he go to the store and grab some pizzas or that we order dinner out that night. Great. Okay. So you and your husband decide to, uh, he sounds handsome, by the way. So you guys decide <laughs> to order food out. So when you come home, uh, food's ready for you and your husband starts telling you about how busy his day is and all the things that he's gone through. Do you listen to what he's saying or uh, do you start to think to yourself, oh my gosh, that's nothing compared to my day? I start to think, oh my gosh, it's nothing compared to my day. All right. So your husband finally stops his jibber jabbering and you start to tell him about your day. What What are the things you've been through do you start do you start with your feedback to your boss? Do you start with a student who came in? Do you start with how long your meetings were? Oh, my gosh. I think I just start with how tired I am after such a long day of work. Great. So you guys uh, have dinner, have a con uh, some conversation, and then you decide to watch TV. What are you going to watch on TV? Am I watching TV by myself or am I watching TV with my husband? See, man, you just add more questions. Yeah, uh, there's so many choices. Let's say you're at, uh, watching TV with your husband. Uh, we'd probably watch a episode of like a current series that we're watching together. Right now we're watching Yellowstone, so we would watch an episode of Yellowstone. Okay, so the episode of Yellowstone is particularly good, and watching a second episode seems enticing, but you really want to get to bed. Like you just said, you've you've had a tired day. Do you watch a second episode or do you head towards bed? I watch a second episode. All right. What if your your husband says, babe, I know you want to watch a second episode, but are you sure you're very tired? Um, do you get annoyed with that question and feel like he's accusing you of not resting well? Yes. <laughs> do, do you, this is all hypothetical, by the way. <laughs> do you then decide to watch a second episode or do you change your mind and go to bed? I decide to watch a second episode. All right. So the second episode is done. Do uh, And you are absolutely 1,000% ready for bed. Um, do you go brush your teeth or do you go check on your plants in the back patio or do you head straight to bed bypassing all other options? I brush my teeth and then I go to bed. All right. So that's Kylie's day. And we went through all of this just to give you a glimpse. Obviously, we've left out a huge portion of the day and a huge portion of of options that are available to her that we kind of glossed over or fast forwarded through or skipped over. But the point here is that from the moment you get up to the moment you're going to sleep, you are making choices. You're encountering choice after choice after choice. Some of them are binary. Some is like one choice or the other. Some of them, there's a you know rainbow of choices and you've got to pick amongst the lineup. And each choice that you make, kind of like we said in the last episode, determines the course of your day and how things are going to go, which leads to another choice, another abundant array of choices. And so what we're trying to talk about this episode is what does that do to us? What does that do to our psyche? How do we respond 
What are the coping mechanisms that we put in place uh, as we encounter this just gauntlet of choices throughout the day? Um, yeah, I think the first thing that we should probably talk about is the abundance of choices or options that are available to us and um, how to decide between good choices, bad choices, good choices and good choices, bad choices and other bad choices. Um, and so in the example that Joe gave me, there were some pretty clear good choices and maybe poor choices. So the very first choice that I had of the day was, do I get up and miss out on some sleep, but make it into work on time and actually follow through with the commitments that I've made to my employer and my job? Or do I make a poor choice and ignore my alarm clock and roll over and live with the consequences that are naturally going to happen from me walking into work 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half late. Yeah. So some of our choices are the kind of traditional, this is a good option, this is a bad option. It's interesting that Kylie brought up that example because when I was asking that question, I was thinking of it as I probably would have said hit the snooze button because I can get another few minutes of rest but still make it to work on time. Uh, if it does become an issue of making it to work on time or getting sleep, obviously that becomes a clear option. But just uh, to add an element to this, it can be difficult because perspective can help determine whether or not I'm facing mm. a choice that is good or bad. Because for Kylie, as soon as that alarm goes off, it's a good, bad choice. For me, as soon as that alarm goes off, it's a good, good choice. I can <laughs> hit the button and sleep a little bit longer, or I can get up and get a head start of my day and maybe be to work a little early. Kylie, for you, what was an example of one of the questions I asked, one of the prompts, one of the choices that felt like you were just having to decide between two good options. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that uh, one of the options that was presented to me would have been the option of going to lunch with a coworker or of just staying at the office and eating the lunch that I had brought with me for the day. Um, either one of those choices was of benefit to me. It wasn't detrimental to me in any way. Yeah. So when that happened, you have to choose just the better of the two options, right? Well, I think that the I have to choose. It's not even necessarily the better of the two options because they're two good options. It's the one that is going to best serve um, my sort of like vision for what my day is going to be like. Right. And then the third kind of example is a uh, two bad choices, two tough choices. Were there any ex examples from your day that you can think of that were just two bad choices? You had to go one way? Um, I think two bad choices would have been, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're bad, but coming home from work really tired and then cooking dinner or eating out. I don't know that either of those are necessarily very good choices for me. It's just what is the choice that is going to be easiest and probably like best for my mental and emotional state after a long and tiring day? And then the the last category we've got is the kind of neutral choices, choices where like it's not there's no real like quality assigned to it. It's just you've you've got to make a, a decision. So, Kai, what, are, what was one of those choices throughout your day? I would say not answering my mom's phone call was a bit of a neutral choice. I, I'm at work. I'm busy. It's And 
while I could have answered and talked to her, like I also like didn't have to and could call her later. Uh, and she would totally understand that I'm busy and I'm at work. And so I think that's sort of a choice where unless it's an emergency, at, in which case she would have called me again and again and again until I answered the phone. It's sort of a neutral. OK, what is going to be best for me right now? Um but neither of these choices are like super good or super bad. Yeah, there's also, you know, when you got up, I I asked you about are you going to brush your teeth or are you going to get dressed and you headed for the coffee. Like none of those choices. The coffee's a good choice. It's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. Uh but none of those choices is really going to be determinative of like the kind of day that well, maybe coffee first is going to impact your day, but not in terms of like your values or this real sense of purpose, there's it's an it's an issue of order. If you had gotten dressed first, you would have gotten coffee later. And so you just have to kind of pick a priority. Yeah, you got to pr- uh, pick a, a, ch- a road and, and go on it. You know, I would maybe argue that even like what you're what you're wearing is a relatively neutral choice. You're not picking anything that's going <laughs> to be terrible for the day. But a lot of it is just going off of like, uh, I got to put something on, but I don't, you know, I, I want it to look good. I want to feel good in it. And so there's some value in those choices, even though that we might be categorizing them as relatively neutral. So these are our, our way of saying there's lots of choices. <laughs> there's lots of things that you have to do. So in a day like this, where you are facing a barrage of choices, just an overwhelming amount of neutral choices, good choices, bad choices, choices about boundaries, choices about relationship, choices about what you want to do and choice about how you want to spend your time. How do we cope with that as a human? What do we do to, to react to that? And so, Kylie, uh, one of the things I noticed when I was asking you questions is some of them you just shot off an answer pretty quickly. And some of them you had a harder time and kind of slowed down. What were the choices that made you slow down a little bit more and why? Well, I think the choices that made me slow down were choices that I might not typically encounter on a regular basis during my day. And so I really had to weigh the value and priority of each choice um, and the consequence of not making or making those choices uh, before I made a decision. Yeah. So what you're talking about then is system two, right? Your system two choices. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. For those of you who did not listen to our first season, there is a book um, by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, and it is all about how our brains work. Um, him and Amos Tversky did a ton of research um, on biases and how our brains work to sort of propel us through life, through the day. Um, and our brains work in two different ways. Uh, the first is system one, which is automatic. It's learned behavior, right? And so our brain recognizes patterns, things that have happened before, and we just automatically respond the way that we have always responded to these things. Um, and it's a bit of a shortcut, right? Like Because making choices is exhausting, um, especially as Joe talks about the barrage of choices that are in front of us every single day. Um, 
and we don't want to have to think about it. Steve Jobs actually wore the exact same outfit every single day when he went to work because, or maybe just every single day of his life, because he didn't want to have to make a choice about, or even think about, or waste the energy that it would have taken for him to decide what to wear. And so he decided that that was going to be his system one patterned way of doing things. System two, however, is much more intentional. You have to sort of slow your brain, not even sort of, you have to slow your brain down and actually think about what is in front of you, what is happening and going on, and um, make a decision based upon that. And so you have to think about it um, and really weigh your options. And that's what I did with the choices where I slowed down and wasn't quite sure about what I was going to do. Yeah, Kylie, I read this. I read somewhere recently that 40% of what we do is habit. And think about the things that you do that are the same every single day. Like I, we did this whole exercise of me presenting options to Kylie and she just blazed right through the, the option about getting dressed or brushing her teeth. Because, or making coffee. Because making coffee is such a habit for her that she just created um, a third a, a third option out of what I presented to her. And that works for us all the time. Like think about your team meeting that you have fairly regularly. Don't you sit pretty much in the same chair, the same spot? Uh, if you go to church, don't you you have your area that you sit in? We have these these habits in order to save our brain space and to save the energy that system two requires. And so what we do to one of the things we do to cope with this barrage of, of choices is to try to create patterns, links that make these choices a little bit easier by just doing the same thing every day so that I just know where I'm going to sit when I walk into our team meeting. And that's just one less thing that I have to think about, one less thing that I have to worry about. And so one of the difficult things for us when making choices is determining when those system one habits are fine and appropriate and when they aren't. Hmm. When we need to step into system two and say, just because I have a system one answer to this doesn't mean that the system one answer is the correct answer. And maybe I need to, as Kylie's saying, slow down and be deliberative. So there's two kinds of opportunities for us to step into system two. The first is when, uh, as Kylie outlined, our system one just doesn't work. Like it doesn't have an answer already prepared for us. And so we've got to go into system two to figure it out. The other opportunity is when our system one may be faulty and we may do something on automatic pilot and have to slow down and say, maybe this isn't correct. Maybe there's a better way. I have a really um, great example of this. So in the choice of my husband calling me and me um, having the option of getting upset with him and asking him, like, why aren't you figuring this out? Why do I have to be the one to figure this out? Or the option of, like, calmly having a conversation with him and trying to figure out together what we're going to do about dinner. Uh, my initial system one, um, based on just my family system and the way that we resolved conflict um, within my own personal family, is always to get defensive. It is always to jump to the, well, you're capable too. Why can't you do it? Like, I shouldn't have to be responsible for everything. Um, that's my automatic behavior when things like this come up. But 
it's not good for my marriage. <laughs> it's not good for either of us. And it's not very unifying. And so I work really hard to make sure that when um, circumstances like this come up, when there are um, when there is the option for me to choose something different, I work really hard to slow myself down and put myself into system two and think, what is the best way for us to resolve this that is loving towards my husband? And how can I care for him and serve him in this way, even if my initial reaction is just figure it out? Um, And so this is how we go through our lives if we're not careful. Um, If we don't if we're not able to recognize when our system one is not serving us or those around us very well. Yeah. Something that's great about what you just said, Kai, is that um, our this is what can be dangerous about our system one. When I was going through the scenarios and presenting them to Kylie, when I gave her the choice about whether or not to be annoyed with her husband, I gave her the choice a couple of times. When I gave her that choice, that might have surprised you all because all of the choices, most of the choices we presented were, you know, these kind of action choices, go Mm -hmm. this place or that place, answer your phone or make coffee, whatever. They were action items. But our attitude is also a choice. And I think one of the things that our system one does is just tell you, you have to respond this way. Your husband is saying something. He's being annoying. Be annoyed. But. That's a system two pattern that we've developed, as Kylie's talking about. Like uh, defensiveness can be a system one behavior. For me, like fleeing conflict can be a system one behavior. So that anything that feels like people are going to be arguing or going to be mad at me, I'm just like, I got to get out of here. This isn't worth it. I got so much other positive things going on. That checks day. out. <laughs> right. But th- But that's not necessarily helpful. And what the danger... The danger of our system one, one of the dangers, is that we start to think that the triggers in our lives are insurmountable. So I may call Kylie and say, hey, where are you? Why are you late for home from work? What's our plan for dinner? That is absolutely, in the midst of a busy day, a trigger, an invitation for her to be annoyed. But it's not inevitable for her to be annoyed. She has the power to make the choice about her response. And feeling frustrated, she can't help. That is inevitable. But choosing how to react to that, how to respond to that, whether to come at me with anger or to come at me with something else, is a choice. It is a choice we make. It doesn't always feel like it because we've been making the same choice over and over again, and a pattern has developed, a habit has developed, and it no longer feels like something we have control over, but it is. And so one of the things that we've got to do, and we'll talk about this as the season progresses, is take a step back and say like, okay, if these are some unhealthy habits in my life, how do I break them? I slow myself down and I make a different choice. Hmm. So the last thing we want to do in this episode is go through a few of the coping mechanisms that we adopt and we assume some of you probably adopt when it comes to facing this barrage of choices. And by the end of the episode, we'll give you guys uh, light at the end of the tunnel um, and some things to think about as we continue to progress through this series. But Kylie, what is what is one example of a coping mechanism when we have this multitude of choices available? They can feel overwhelming. We can feel confused and not know what to do. What are some of the ways that we cope with uh, that abundance of, of option? Uh, well, 
I think that one of the ways is by adopting a narrative of obligation. And so I have to do this. Uh, I'm required to do this. And we think that um, what we do is we basically pigeonhole ourselves into um, into doing something that we we don't necessarily have to do because we do have a choice to say no. We do have a choice to say something different. And so like, for example, um, the choice of me staying late to work, like I have to finish these projects. Therefore, I'm going to choose to stay late from work. I didn't have to finish the projects. I can take a pause and I can say, you know what? It's been a long day. I'm tired and I'm going to go home now and I'll pick up the projects tomorrow when I have like a refreshed brain and I've slept well and I'm able to focus a little bit more. Or I can burn the midnight oil and do this work. But what am I sacrificing if I do that? Am I sacrificing time with you? Am I sacrificing a nutritious meal that we could eat together? Am I sacrificing money that we're going to spend on another meal um, because we're going to eat out instead? Uh, and so there are always these consequences um, that we experience because of our choices. And there is always a choice to say no. There is always an option to say no. And what we have to do is actually step back and consider what the consequences of our choices are and make choices that are based upon our values and what is really important to us. Um, I actually value what I do at work, but is that more important to me than my relationship with you? No. Yeah, another example from your day is when the coworker showed up and said, do you want to go to lunch today? We can adopt this narrative of like, oh my gosh, I have to say yes to this. I can't say no. You know, she'll be mad at me if I say no. And so we often will say this or even think it, I had no choice, right? Uh, and so when Kylie at the end of the day is telling me about her day, if she had decided to go to lunch with that girl, that coworker, she might be saying like, I had, I didn't have time. I had so much more to do. This, this student was dealing with something and kept texting, but then being evasive. And I just like did not have time to sit there, but I couldn't say no to her. And so that's a coping mechanism. We adopt this narrative of obligation. I have to do what my, uh, what the people around me are asking me to do. I, I can't say no, or I can't leave work until the next day. I have to finish my deadline by the end of the day, even though my time is running out. And so we use these to try to pigeonhole ourselves into having a choice made for us. And as you guys like us have experienced, it creates this stress and this tension and this weight because we are overwhelmed by options to begin with. And then we become overwhelmed by options that feel like obligations. And what gets pushed out are the things that really matter to us. And so throughout Kylie's day, she was never given the option to go spend time with some friends and like throw a baseball or have a, a glass of wine and talk about what's going on with with her in her life or, or in the life of one of her girlfriends. And so we often push aside the things that could make our life more abundant, uh, that could make the choices that could make our life more abundant and more effective because of the ones that feel like obligations to us. And that's, a, again, that's a system one mentality. We've got to do this. This is what we have to do. This is the obligation. This is what the people around me expect of me. This is what my parents expect of me. This is what the school expects of me. This is what my friends expect of me. And we become lost in this sea of obligation. 
Another coping mechanism that we can adopt is the myth of inaction, um, which is essentially, oh my gosh, there's so many choices around me. I'm just not going to make a choice. Um, how does that play out, Joe? So the myth, the myth of inaction looks like this. Kylie had the choice during her day to to give direct feedback to her boss in the meeting or to not say anything and maybe confront him later, which is what she ultimately ended up choosing. So one of the things that, that we do in that scenario is we just say, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to leave it alone. I'm going to not do anything. I'm not going to say anything in the meeting. I'm not going to say anything later. And so that way I don't have to make a choice about having my boss angry with me and having to like say what's on my mind. But the reality is that that is a choice. Avoiding is a choice. And so there's no such thing as inactivity. You can't say, I'm not going to make this choice. That is a choice. And so by refusing to decide what to do, you are putting yourself in the more passive option by default. Another coping mechanism could be creating more options. We're surrounded by options. We're overwhelmed by the options in front of us. We don't want to choose any of them. And so we create something entirely different. Uh, Hence the coffee. Um, that was a different option that wasn't on the table in front of me, but I didn't want to do those other two things first. And so I decided to do something completely different. Yeah. And again, this isn't like a bad coping mechanism. Sometimes it's, it's just fine, like with Kylie's coffee example. But I think the way that this can be unhealthy is a couple of different ways. The first is we avoid the actual choice we have to make and pick a choice that's in some completely different realm. So if I have like a couple of job opportunities and I need to decide what to do and time is really pressing, I can avoid that and just like start to decide uh, where I want to go on vacation next and start planning a vacation. That's exactly the example I was thinking. <laughs> uh, not that we've ever done that, but that, that can, so that can be, a, uh, we just, we're like this one, it feels so weighty and difficult and I'm just going to move, remove myself from it and do a whole another one. And then once I start the process of planning a vacation, well, now I got to think about where are we going to stay? What activities are we going to do? And it, you know, I'm, I just get lost in this whirlpool of, of, uh, of a new set of choices that I've created in order to avoid an old set. Meanwhile, you don't have a job, so you can't actually pay for the vacation. And the other thing that we do in, in terms of creating more options is this really interesting thing. They talk about it in the book, Thinking Fast and Slow, where we answer an easier question than the one that's being presented to us. Hmm. So, but, but it's in the same like category. So, for example, if I were to ask you, what do you think the president's approval rating is going to be six months from now? That's a difficult question to like try to wrestle with and figure out and predict. There's an element of guesswork to it. What our brains do, our system one, try to get to something it already knows the answer to. So our brains automatically go to, how do I feel about the president today? Hmm. Which is an easier question to answer. So um, another example of this would be like, if I were to ask you, how happy were you today? That's a difficult question to answer. Your day has probably been up and down, all kinds of things. What your brain automatically wants to do is, is, is answer that question by telling me how you feel right now. And so how happy were you today is a more difficult question. 
And in order to cope with that difficulty, we take it into something more clear, more manageable, which is how do I feel right now? And so how I feel right now becomes the, you know, the answer for how I felt all day long. And I can kind of forget that maybe there were moments where I was a little bit sadder than I am right now. Maybe there were moments when I was much happier than I am right now. And so the danger is that I uh, think that I'm answering the question that's being asked, but really I'm answering just an easier question as a coping mechanism to save my brain some energy. So all of this to say that there are a prevalence of choices, a world of choices in front of us that we have to steward to the best of our ability. We need to be able to recognize what those choices are, how they align with who we are and the vision, the there that we have for our lives, um, and make sure that we're making the choices that best align with the direction that we're headed in, um, with the character that we actually want to walk in, with the person who we want to be. Um, so now that we've done that, um, we can begin to decipher who actually has the power to decide. Um, we don't always know, and it isn't always clear. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about a couple of different mental models that can help us to decipher and figure out who has the power to make the choices that are in front of us. Sometimes it's us, and sometimes it's somebody else. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.